Why, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Why don't you follow me and I'll find a place for you to take that load off. The boys are just about to start. If you've been here before, welcome back. But if this is your first time, let me fill you in on a few details. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that everyone that walks through those doors grows a little closer to Jesus every day. And I tell you what, you came at a great time too. The boys are walking through the entire Bible from cover to cover, one story at a time. Speaking of stories, we'd love to hear yours. So why don't you tell us all about it in that box below called comments. And after this is all over, if you like what you heard, on the way out, there's a button called subscribe. It's red and it's got a little bell next to it. Oh, and tell your friends. Oh, 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 here we go. Here's a nice seat right up front for you. Now you sit down and get comfortable. And I'd like to sit here and talk to you and get to know you better, but that was the dough. I got to go. Those boys had better get the lead out and get going. This crowd seems restless. I'm coming, I'm coming. Order up. Today we're going to be talking about the first half of Genesis 18. Basically, this, this takes place, and we don't know how much time, you know, I mean, many of these stories that happen with Abraham, unfortunately, we don't know how much time is between the time when this happened to the next chapter. So we don't know when this happened. This just, uh, the chapter 18 just starts out and says, Then the Lord appeared to him, meaning Abraham, by the terebinth trees of memory, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself down to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant, please. Let me a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread, and you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. So, and then it talks about how he goes off, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing I find very interesting about this. Before we dive on it, what he did next... It almost looked to me, now I could be wrong, but it almost looked to me as the Lord passed by, because it seems as though it was, once again, what, what, what was it? What did we find out on our live episode? A Christophany, when Christ showed himself in the past before uh, the whole, you know, manifestation in the whole, you know, manger human thing. It seems to me, just reading that, it seems to me like Christ passed by Abraham's on purpose. What do you guys think? I mean, technically he doesn't do anything not on purpose, so there's not a mistake he really made. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, just throwing that out there, Justin. Why do you think God would have passed by that area on purpose? Mindset. When I was reading through this, it felt like a logistical nightmare. Like, trying to figure out who, you know, like, who's on first kind of thing. You know, the way I'm reading it is that, just like you said, the, 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 the Christophany, Christophany, um, that God appeared, but then the three men came. And in my opinion, God got his attention, but 
the G- Jesus figure. I think Jesus is one of the three men. Because later in this chapter, he talks about, he t- he's talking like he's really there, like he's physical, like there, they're calling him Lord, that he's actually having conversation, and they're calling him out, and it's it sounds like a human interaction. So it makes me think that one of those three is Christ in human form. Okay. Like uh, Jesus. Okay. So why do you think that they would have passed by Abraham on their way to do, and we'll find out in a later episode what that is, why, why they actually like, came to this area, but why would they have passed by there? Purpose, like purposefully, it seems though, like I have my own theory. I just want to get you guys' opinion. Like why would Christ and apparently these two guards or two angels or whatever pass by, basically pass by the tent of Abraham close enough that Abraham could see him? I feel that that is, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's summed up in, in uh, verse 15, the, the whole interaction of 14 and 15. So verse 15. You know, there's, you know that, that verse four, 14 and 15 combo. Go, go ahead and read that. Because down there, um, I'll go back to 13 just to give a little framework. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old. It's anything too hard for the Lord. I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did. Um, this, you know, it's the Lord is uh, always capital. And it's, it's different when they're talking to any other, um, you know, any other uh, rulers of any kind. It's not like a capital K unless you're talking about the King of Kings. It's not a capital L unless it's talking about God. Right. Um, and so the way it's worded in here, it tells me, you know, that's what makes me think, think that, uh, you know, it's Jesus or, or it's Christ, you know, down there walking before even Christ was made flesh. <laughs> but that he passed by to squelch that doubt, to bring it out and say, you know, I, I get it. That you you don't believe you don't you you don't have that face. Why do you think this is funny? Do you think that there's any <laughs> limit to what I can do? Why do you think this is funny? <laughs> I, I like that. It's it's almost like well, I, and we've talked about this before. This seems it almost seems to be a common theme that God's doing in in these first few chapters of Genesis, where he like when he goes up to Adam and Eve and says, "What have you done?" As, as if he needed to be told what that what just happened. He knows it all, right? And then he goes to the serpent. Or I'm sorry, not the serpent. But then he goes to Cain later on. What have you done? Like, he, he has this very parental, father-like thing. And, like, this this is almost, it almost seems like it's one of those attitude adjustment type of moments when you're a father. And he says, uh, is anything too hard for the Lord? In other words, like, a dad going... Uh, yeah, I got this. I can, I can lift that. Like, I can, you know, I can pick up your dollhouse well, and move it. It's okay. Like, what do you think is going through her head right now? Because honestly, to this point, um, God hasn't talked to Sarah like this. You know, he hasn't. You know, he's been making all these promises and covenants with Abraham, and Abraham is 
you know, she's getting everything secondhand through Abraham. Listen, we've been promised. We've been promised. This is a covenant. And, um, you know, God showed himself because, you know, hospitality was huge back then. Oh, yeah. But I think this made Abraham really go into servant mode when he saw God, when God came to him, and then all of a sudden these three people were there. He knew they were from God. They were sent there from God. And so now he is going to go into complete servant mode. And they're talking and making these covenants. Like in uh, starting in verse 10, one of them said, I will surely return to you about the same time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And then Sarah was at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already really old. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and she thought. She didn't say any of, the, any of this out loud. It was her thoughts. And God knew her thoughts, heard her, heard her heart, and called her out on it. And that was a huge eye-opener for her. I feel it in my bones that that was a huge eye-opener for her because she was, like, completely transparent. And she, you know, so, you know, all of her tender bits were out, you know, because someone knows her inner, inner thoughts. Right. And she was called out, and it was like, um, okay. I find that interesting, too, because it, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it was a big sermon that Jesus did, and one of the big things that he brought up during that time, you know, like the Beatitudes and all that stuff, but right afterward, he said s several things very, very interesting. He said stuff like, you have heard it said, you shall not uh, commit adultery, for example. One example was, you shall not commit adultery. Then he said, if you so much as look and lust in your heart, it's as though you've committed adultery already in your heart. And then he said another time, he said, you have told, you have been told, said of old, uh, or you have been told of old, it has been said, uh, you shall not kill. But then he said, if you so much as has hatred toward your brother, like genuine, unjustified hatred toward your brother, he's like, it's as though you've already killed him in your heart. You know, and, and it's just funny because going off of what you're saying, though, Tom, is it's funny because it's it's like Jesus is almost given a foreshadowing here of being able to to dive right to the heart of, of the topic. Like, I, I like how you said, and she thought and you kind of like pause there because that was the point. It all started in her heart, like her doubt and her, everything started right there in her heart. Well. And thinking about this, because the first question, um, how, like, why you think you would actually walk past it, it's mindset. Like I was trying to say, mindset is the fact that he was actually walking past it intentionally. There's only one door in a tent. Okay, there's only one door. There's not very many windows, especially an Arabian tent or anything that you actually have sand. There's double layers. It's really actually only one way to get in and out. So for him to see you, you have to walk past that one door. That's a great you point. You cannot actually go. There's no windows like the modern tents of today. With screens. Yeah, right, with right, screens right. or anything like that. And that'd still be useless in the desert climate. Because it's completely just the sand will fly straight through it. So you have these big tarps that are made of canvas or whatever material was available at the time. And it's a large tent. There's only one door. You had to walk past that one door so anybody could see you. Right. And it said, it even said there that um, he was sitting in the tent doorway 
in the heat of the day. So he was just he was just sitting there in the doorway anyway. Yeah, keeping it on the shade. Right. So and and that's a good point because it was intentional. Oh yeah. You know, it's like really intentional that that God. What is did that, that guy gonna do for me? Right. Like, is, is he, he servant to me or is he not? Right. So, and I think that's the point. Where is mom? Where is Mamre? M a m r e. Where's Mamre? Because he said he's near the great trees. Yeah. You know, he it's the great trees of Mamre. It's interesting. I actually have never looked that up, and I know for a fact that the Terebinth trees of Mamre have been mentioned in Scripture, specifically Genesis. I think it's in verse one. Uh, in Genesis and Exodus, I believe they mention that. Oh, and um, uh, Joshua, I believe it's mentioned in Joshua because it talks about them putting like altars up or rebuilding an altar or meeting near here or, um, you know, the Valley of Shushan and like these things. But I know that this has been mentioned several times in scripture. I never looked it up. So we got, we got somebody looking that up right now. Oh, here he goes. He's uh, Mamre, full Hebrew name. Elonai Mamre, uh, oaks or terebinths, so terebinths are oaks apparently of Mamre, refers to an ancient cultic shrine originally focused on a single holy tree growing since time of immemorial in Hebron and Canaan. So apparently it was a, a set of tree, like really old trees that, I don't know, I guess I guess they, they, they held to a, a very... It's still around today. That'd be interesting. Yeah, today. Is it? Today, ancient Mamre is located in the middle of the Hebron Nimara neighborhood, surrounded by the contrasting sprawl of modern buildings, and the archaeological site is open every day. Huh. So it's still a place. That's 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 great. That's pretty cool. But what you said about that, about it being purposeful, I think is perfect because... Just like when Christ came to Adam and Eve and said, what has happened? What have you done? He did the same thing without saying anything. He did the same thing to Abraham to say, similar to what, like what you're saying, that he walked by and they said, and he was saying, okay, let's see if his hospitality is, you know, what it should be, I guess, basically for being a follower of the one true God. And it was, so it, it looks as though he, he purposefully, and cause it says he got, he got up out of there and he ran to them. And there was one part that we didn't mention just yet, uh, is verse six through eight. So check this out. Okay. So in verse five, he says, okay, Hey, how about you guys chill? I'm going to go get you something. Verse six, it says, so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. Okay. Number one, I'm going to say that's going to take some time. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf and gave it to a young man. Okay. Number two, that's going to take time. (laughs) And he hastened to prepare it. Number three, that's going to take time. So he took butter and milk to the calf and which he had prepared and see it before him before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate so how long do you guys think this hospitality took to do all that bread normally takes now that i think about it doing the well you can do bannock bread bannock bread is real easy flour and stuff like that or regular bread it's normally about 400 degrees at 
30 minutes. So but that would be a common oven, wouldn't it? Common oven, but you can still actually get pretty good temperatures out of the bre- the uh, the. Well, they they the would probably would have only had like a stone made. oven or something. Yeah, right? the stone ovens. Right. They would make those. I mean, it's very easy to make them and out of clay, sand, okay. whatever. So you're also talking about slaughtering a calf, apparently. Yep. I don't know. I don't. I, I have no idea how long that would have taken the, to slaughter the a calf. The cheese part. The cheese part is going to be hardest. If you were to slaughter a calf, you know, it, it wouldn't be the first go around, so it could probably be done in less than a half hour to an hour. Yeah. Honestly, and then the the bread, the bread. I don't think it was the conventional bread like we think of nowadays. They did not have yeast and stuff like that, so there was no waiting for it to rise. It was unleavened. It was you know like flatbread so they just made the they, they made the dough and then they cooked it they could have cooked it over an open flame they could have cooked it That's in the true. coals a hot rock <laughs> yep you know and and so for that kind of bread it, it wasn't like let's get the tents let's let it let's let it rise let's let the chemicals work and you know <laughs> make sure everything get a nice fluff in the middle and then we'll, we'll slice it up no it was they they made the bread. They broke the bread, which carried all the way through to the New Testament. You know where they would break it off and and share it that way, because it wasn't really like a fluffy kind of bread. Right. Well, no, and I I agree with that. I'm just saying, like, okay, so let let's look, just look at the series of events here. So Abraham is sitting in 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 basically just chilling in the shade. It's you know noon, one o'clock. It's really hot out. He's just sitting there chilling out, watching the sheep or whatever. And he happens to look and he sees coming down the road or coming down the field, three men. He jumps up, runs to them and says, hey, how about you chill next to the shady tree? I'm going to go get you some water. And so he goes and gets him some water. And then he immediately goes to his wife and says, okay, we got to make a meal. And then all of this stuff happens. I mean, you're thinking, at least I'm thinking, probably an hour at, at best, minimum. Maybe maybe an hour and a half to cook all of this stuff, to cut all this stuff up. So they would have been sitting there having sup with Abraham or lunch or something like that, or second breakfast, and probably for, I don't know, sitting there talking with him for probably a couple, three hours, maybe. Doesn't Abraham still have servants, though? Oh, he does, yeah. So, I mean, it's going to cut down the time 15, oh, 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you think about it, more hands, like, work. Right, right. I'm just, I'm trying to flesh this thing out and really bring it to life because we're not talking about, like, a lot of us, like, I don't know, when I used to read this stuff, it was like, boom, this happened, then this happened, this happened. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about he ran out, that took time. Yep. He brought them back in, that took time. He brought them water to wash their feet, that took time. You know, like, we're talking about him doing all of this stuff just to, place the hospitality upon these men and like and like you said tom hospitality back in those days like during in 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 abraham's culture i should say not necessarily sodom and gomorrah but in abraham's culture he was super hospitable like if you came near his home he was going to pull you in and you were going to be best friends with him and he was going to help you out and then send you on your way like that's just what he did, and that's probably why he had so many servants and so much money and so so much stuff because people found him so appealing. I think that um, honestly, this probably took the whole the whole rest of the day. 
the way I'm reading it, it you know, up until 15, I, I think that it was a whole day into the night. It was overnight guests where they, you know, let them enter in. Because the way I'm reading it, and I don't want to get too much into chapter, uh, verse 16 and beyond, but when the men got up to leave, so yeah. I um, they, you know, I, I I read that as in like the next morning, you know, when they wake up, they're departing from camp. You know, if it's already in the hot of the sun, then it's probably noon, two, three o'clock in the afternoon, where it's really hot at this time, and so they brought them in. Then uh, they waited for the food. Then it's going to be nighttime, and they're not going to let their travelers travel at night. You, you might be right. So I could see them keeping it be, be a whole evening of this. Everything about Christ, Jesus, and even our relationship as, as, as believers, it's all about relationship. It's all about that, 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 that communal, that um, getting to know him, getting to to be intimate with with him, that that wouldn't be out of his character to spend that time to touch their lives even more. You know, um, even if it is just to drive home the, the fact that brace yourselves, you're old, but you're going to be parents. You know? <laughs> my, prom- my promise is going to be kept. We, call- we covered this a little bit about God coming, basically God coming down and reaffirming for what this is like what the third time he's really reaffirmed or affirmed this covenant with him like the promise or fourth time actually because it was like the the one time with the animals the next time with the whole circumcision thing there's this time and the time before egypt and like like it sounds like god is is keeps needing to come by and remind these people this of this uh like this this promise is real it's it's going to happen but, I mean, I guess that's not really much different than if God tells us something today or makes a promise to us today. It's not like we don't need reaffirmings or, or we forget his promises. And we have the Bible to read. Now, do you think that Sarah took this as a completely um, different tone now that she knows who's in her house? These, you know, because she's been in disbelief this entire time. Apparently, well, right, right. You know, then, uh, and then Abraham shows up with three strangers because God didn't appear to Sarah before these guys showed up. It appeared to Adam. So from her perspective, she just brought three guys in that Abraham brought in. They hear this, and she's like, oh, that's who you are? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm amazed on how much the world is. They actually have a Bible tutorial on food you can make. From like biblical times? Yes. <laughs> I was curious. I was like, you know what? It's the dawn of technology. Let's look it up. Are you kidding me? They do have it. Like they broke it down. You can even get a PDF. <laughs> On this, like See, that's legal what... documents to figure out what you want to eat for biblical times. Well, we like, need to find the biblical equivalent of like chili, chili and we need to make it sometime. <laughs> yes, <laughs> literal biblical chili. 
<laughs> we'll do that for the next competition. Our next, right, for next, next chili, year. yeah, chili <laughs> cook-off. No, I, I, I think you're right, though, Tom, because God was, and I, I said this before, early, or a little bit earlier, was it almost seems like an attitude adjustment type of thing. Not like in a mean way or de- condescending way, but just a way like, I'm still here. Like, I can still hear you guys. <laughs> I'm in the room, you know. But uh, d- this goes back to her character, though, the way her character is. Look at the first problem they actually had, the reason why she's now Sarah right. and everything else. Like, her attitude towards this whole belief going, you know what? I'm with you because you're my husband, but guess what? You're a nut, and that's how I'm going to treat you, and that's how I feel like she's acting. You know, because she goes, you know what? Towards You mean yeah. toward this promise of God? Yeah, towards any promise. Because you got to think, the first promise was broken because of what she said. You know what? Here you go. You know, have at yeah, it. Yeah, right. My maid servant. Yep, here you go. And then next thing you know, she got her promise. He got another promise. She got another promise. And so now, you know, like when she goes, she starts laughing of the last problems. And he's going, calling her out on it. You know, it's just a complete and total reboot of it. Right. You yeah. think it's an eye opener. No. And that's, a, that's a good point too, because if you look at it's, it, I, at least now that you said that it would seem as though the pattern in her life was that, wasn't it? Where she, she just didn't believe it. Like it's, it's almost as though, okay, she was, let's say they got married when they were 50 or something. And God made that promise and told them to leave the land because we don't actually know when they got married and all that stuff. All we know is like I think the first time is or the first date is when like they're like 70 or 80 already. And God has already came to them and said or God just came to them and said, "Okay, I promise you will have a child. And when it comes to that, it's, it's like it's been from that point until now, it's been probably like 20 years or so. So I could see where you're saying that where she's like, yeah, okay, right. You know, God, you've waited this long. It's too late, God. And that's where God steps in and says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Like, really? <laughs> I can deal with this. I can take this. Have you ever uh, had had your wife or a friend or anyone tell you about something that was really cool? Like, you know, they experience this great thing and they, they just, uh, they can't stop talking about it and they base their whole belief system around it. And you support them, you follow through with it, um, with, with whatever lead they give, um, but you don't really get it. You're just going by faith in that person. You And you're letting that person lead you because their faith in, in, in their thing is so great. That's how I picture them, because like, Sarah hasn't had an intimate relationship. It's always been between... Abraham and, and God. So she's almost had like a second party relationship. Right. So she hasn't had that that um, that chance to ex- ex- experience his greatness. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been trying to fake it. You know, and then when she was there and grabbed her by the short hairs, someone that knows her heart was like, uh, you know, I get it. I completely get it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How would you react, you and the listener, if God called you out on your thoughts? Probably pretty close to what Sarah did. 
No, it's not what I said in my heart. <laughs> he must have misunderstood me. I, I don't think there's any of us that would not be embarrassed by being called out on our inner, inner monologue. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> right. I think denial is not just a river in Egypt. I, I think that'd be a really good challenge going forward is to um, try to have that, that, that inner self-discipline as well as the outer. is just to know our, our own hearts and thoughts and try to keep those under wraps. And the one person that knows them will help us with that. All right, well, let's go ahead and, I guess, cap this off. Tom, how about you lead us out with a quick word of prayer? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this chance to, to come in here and, and talk about you, talk about your word and the, the messages that you've left us here in the Bible. Lord, I pray as we go about our day that we we guard our heart, that we, that we just try to rein in the doubt that that we have in the direction that you've given us lord we love you we thank you again and i ask all this in jesus name amen amen well this has been justin this has been sully and it's been tom all right guys we will see you later and talk to you later we love you well hello everyone now that this is all over, I hope you had a great time. Now listen, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I'm closing up. And the boys gave me this note to let you know. You can get a hold of them on something called Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Podcast. Podcast? What are they, fishing for whales? Listen, folks, just look up Biblical Chili anywhere. I'm sure you'll be able to find them out there. And until, Lord willing, we'll see you again. May the Lord bless you. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. I think there can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. We love you.